Welcome to the Teach Me Lit podcast. I'm Sophie Tuvey and I love talking about books and helping you to revise for English literature and go deeper in the texts you're studying. Today I'm going to be talking about the idea of power struggle in Elizabeth Gaskell's North and South. So as a sample exam question, um, I've got this question here. The power struggle between men and women is at the heart of North and South. Um, And really these essay questions, they are kind of quotes from critical viewpoints and they require candidates to engage with those critical viewpoints. So we need to consider really how much of the power struggle between men and women is at the heart of this novel. And of course, the first place to go is going to be this dynamic relationship between Margaret and John Thornton. Now, even from their first meeting, you can clearly see the two of them, very strong personalities and strong characters vying for power and authority. Um, In the traditional setup, Thornton um, expects to see a reverend and instead he sees Margaret, this young woman who addresses him proudly. And the thing with Thornton, because Thornton comes from this um, impoverished background where he's had to work his way up from the bottom to the top again, um, he has this inferiority complex, uh, for want of a better phrase. He has a sense of social inferiority. And when he sees Margaret, he describes her as being like a kind of empress. Um, And I think that word is very indicative of how she carries herself as having a higher status than everybody else. Now, of course, for Thornton, who's a wealthy manufacturer, um, a vicar's daughter is a bit of a nobody to him. I mean, she doesn't have... Um, any great wealth, any great status. They're living in rented accommodation in a drabby area of town. So as Thornton pays this social call, he's very much doing it as a as a favour, I suppose, um, from a position of being socially superior. Um, so he's quite affronted and insulted by the way that Margaret reacts to him. And it also plays upon his own fears because Thornton knows that he's not been educated in the traditional way that a gentleman would have been so in the kind of middle class definition of a gentleman um you know you would you would have some form of education which Thornton never had because he was working from such a young age so when he sees the way Margaret responds to him um in a sense it it presses all of the buttons for him and it, it just makes him feel that she's looking down on him which he feels a sort of irrational sense of, you know, she doesn't have any right to do that, but it also um, plays upon his own sense of inferiority. It says, she looked at him with proud indifference, taking him, he thought, for what, in his irritation, he told himself he was a great rough fellow with not a grace or a refinement about him. Now, part of the problem here is that Thornton does misinterpret what is actually tiredness on Margaret's part as contemptuousness, which is a kind of disdain or hatred. Um, And he does take things rather personally, perhaps in a way that Margaret never intends. Um, But in, in the immediate aftermath of this meeting, she does describe him to her father in this way. Not, nor yet handsome, nothing remarkable, not quite a gentleman. 
So in a sense, Thornton's fears are entirely justified because in Margaret's mind, he isn't a gentleman. Margaret very much maintains the upper hand in that initial meeting. And then when it shifts to the dinner invitation where Thornton comes for dinner, um, another battle takes place between them and it's an ideological battle. Now, Margaret's come from the South with lots of preconceived ideas about industry. Um, you know, she's obviously aware that industry itself is a bit of a, a heavy machine, if you like, oppressing the poor and often exploiting them. So when she thinks of manufacturers, um, which, of course, Thornton is, is one of them, she thinks of the oppressor, you know, the bad guy, the person who is um, not paying people's wages properly. Initially as well, Margaret resists the traditional Victorian place um, of the woman because as she handed him his cup of tea, it's with the proud air of an unwilling slave, which I think is really interesting because, you know, Margaret's in this pink muslin gown, this picture of Victorian femininity, and yet she resists the traditional role that she's been given. She resents making a cup of tea for Thornton, or so at least Thornton himself feels. Now, in a sense, Thornton's still a bit bitter from the previous encounter with Margaret, um, and also is still quite in awe of her. So there's this power struggle between the two of them on a gender level, but then it does seem to shift through chapter 10 into being more an ideological struggle about class um, and about this class conflict. So um, Thornton talks a lot about the benefits of manufacturing uh, and a capitalist society, which has essentially enabled himself um, to be successful. Um, and, he, and he greatly values work and endeavour. He says, I would rather be a man toiling, suffering, nay failing and successless here than lead a dull, prosperous life um, in more aristocratic society down in the South. Now, Margaret takes immediate offence at this. Um, she says, you do not know anything about the South um, and really sort of um, pulls him up on this and, and says, there is less suffering also. I see men here going about in the streets who look ground down by some pinching sorrow or care. Um, and of course, Thornton says, you know, may I say you do not know the North? Um, you know, she's obviously got this really bad impression of industry, um, but he sings industry's praises in the conversation. Um, he talks about the way that initially the masters did have a huge amount of power, which they did abuse. But then he says, now the power of masters and men became more evenly balanced. And now the battle is pretty fairly waged between us. He sees the need for his workers and they need him. Um, and he sees this as a kind of better situation than initially. He also says it's one of the great beauties of our system that a working man may raise himself into the power and position of a master by his own exertions and behaviour. The problem with this outlook, as Margaret points out, is that it seems to think that if somebody doesn't manage to raise themselves, if someone's stuck in poverty, it suggests that it is their fault. And this was a, a very Victorian idea. Um, there was an influential philosopher called Thomas Malthus who wrote a lot of influential uh, books about this. The idea of, 
you know and it was very victorian idea that you should you should punish people for being poor so they don't want to be poor anymore and that's the whole basis of the workhouse system you know make the workhouses so utterly awful that no one will ever want to go there and then as a state you can basically wash your hands and say you know you've done your duty when obviously you clearly haven't um but you know the welfare state is 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 a mile away at this point you know it's after the second world war that the welfare state really gets established so um you know in victorian times you, you've got this this sense of well if you're fault if you're poor it's your fault because it must mean that you've mismanaged your money you've wasted your wages on alcohol um you know we see these kind of stereotypes today i mean just look at marcus rashford's battle to extend free school meals during summer holidays and look at some of the twitter comments that mps are making and you'll see exactly the same dialogue is continuing in the 21st century um but thornton has this this idea that people are individuals and as such he wants to respect their individuality by not involving himself beyond his remit as it were but margaret sees this as a moral failing uh, and she's kind of interpreting him in the way that's perhaps most convenient to her which is that he's another one of these ruthless masters you know crushing people down um now thornton isn't like that and she's going to learn that as the novel develops but it does create this gender conflict between them because as a woman she is passionate about compassion and those that's seen as a traditionally feminine value and Thornton's obsession with work and industry and endeavour is seen in the Victorian era as a very male quality. So in a sense Thornton is representing masculinity and Margaret's representing femininity in a Victorian mindset. However it is very much a class conflict because Margaret's just met the Higginses. She's met Bessie Higgins, who's the same age as herself. She's seen what the conditions of working in the factory filled with cotton has done to Bessie. You know, it's it's basically meant that she's at the end of her life, just as Margaret's beginning her own. So the contrast that Margaret can see with her own life and Bessie's brings home to her the face of poverty. Um, in a very personal way uh, and forces her to, to question that what's going on um, in a way that, you know, later in the novel is perhaps going to challenge Thornton's own viewpoint. I would definitely say that Gaskell is closely aligned to Margaret in the way that Gaskell was in Manchester, seeing a lot of poverty, working amongst poor people, and she definitely would have criticised um, abuse of power. Um, from the middle and upper classes. However, Gaskell wasn't simplistic about it. She, she acknowledges that there are good masters. Um, she's not suggesting a social revolution here. Um, and it's important that actually the overall message of Gaskell's novel is about unity, um, which Nicholas Higgins himself says on his um, meeting with Margaret that both North and South have met together and made friends in this big smoky place of Milton. And I love the way the title North and South presents a struggle between these two regions and yet brings them together. Um, and just as Margaret and Thornton end up together in uh, an equal marriage, um, there's also a sense in this novel that Gaskell is trying to unify, not divide society. She's trying to bring together um, people of different classes and different social backgrounds to show that together we can help our communities much more effectively. So 
to cut a long story short then, what's the power struggle all about? Well, what you can say is in some ways it is a power struggle about men and women, but in other ways it isn't. In other ways it is a class struggle. It's a struggle where people have prejudice against one another. And so if you take different uh, readings of the novel, you can get a more holistic argument of what you feel the novel is really about. If you've enjoyed this podcast and found it helpful, please hit subscribe and share it with a friend. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter. Just search for Teach Me Lit. I'm always open to requests. So if you want me to talk about a text you're studying, get in touch. Thank you for listening. See you next time on the Teach Me Lit podcast.